1847, a band of immigrants arrived on the west side of the state of Michigan on the south shores of the Black Lake. They arrived fleeing persecution, looking for freedom in a land they had hoped would bring all kinds of opportunity. They were led by a man named Albertus Van Ralty. might sound familiar. He was also their pastor. Among the first things they did was to build a church, which would become this one, the church with the six pillars, a promise of God's strength, the concave sanctuary ceiling hovering over the table we love and the font that splashes its promises on our lives, the pews that have been gathering the blessed and the broken, the seeking and the searching, those asking the good and hard questions of faith, those knocking on the door of faith, not sure what's on the other side. They, they gathered in these pews to sing and to pray and to gather around the word. That was 1847. That year was tough. Those first years were very hard. Apparently, one of the first other buildings they built was an orphanage to house the younger ones of our community whose parents had died from the rugged realities of Midwest winter. But with their tenacious spirit and God's generous providence, they made it through. They built homes. They established businesses. They created a community we now call Holland. That was 1847. Then it happened. It was 1871. They had hardly gotten their sea legs steadied on land. And the fire happened. It's called the Great Fire of 1871. Their homes were destroyed. Van Vleck Hall and Pillar Church were the two buildings preserved. Everything else went up in flames. This land of freedom and opportunity became a place of distress and anxiety, concern and worry. Van Ralty just after the fire of 1871, stood to address the community. I want to offer to you now what he offered to them then. Uh, It will mean more, I think, if you listen to Jesus first. This is from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. My friends Amanda and Shanna are going to offer it for us. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. For who among you, if your son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Thank you, Amanda and Shanna and little Zanaira. They're, they're reciting those portions of the Sermon on the Mount as part of the Resurrection in Crisis Listening to Jesus project that I'm inviting all of you into. It's pretty simple, really. Memorize a sec a section, a sentence, a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, record yourself reciting it, send it my way, and we'll stitch together the entirety of the Sermon on the Mount offered by the uh, Pillar community to the Pillar community. You've got one week. 
before we move on. Uh, We're calling it Resurrection in Crisis, Listening to Jesus. It's probably abundantly clear as to why. The great claims of the Christian faith collide with COVID consequences on our lives. Resurrection and crisis, we're asked to hold them both at the same time. And you are hearing so many voices. Politicians and prognosticators and newscasters and your neighbor and all of the voices raise the anxieties. I want one voice to sound loudest. I want one voice to sound clearest. It's the voice of Jesus, the risen one himself. Jesus who says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. All those who seek, find. To everyone who knocks, the door is opened. Who of you, if your child asked for bread, would give a stone? Or if she asked for fish, would give a snake? If you then, though you are broken, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This sums up the law and the prophets. In a pandemic, in this season, and by the way, Jesus offers these words in the Sermon on the Mount. It wasn't exactly a season of luxury and leisure either. He had the chaos, the ache of the world on his heart, even as the worry of the world was swirling around. And that's when he offers these words in a pandemic, in distress and worry. I want you to notice who's on Jesus' mind, what's on Jesus' heart, and what impact that might just have on your neighbor. Now, who's on Jesus' mind? He says, ask, search, knock. He has the one asking the good and hard question on his mind. He has the one searching the journey of life and faith on his mind. He has the one knocking, whether in anger or weakness. He has asking, searching, knocking on his mind. Sometimes I think we we conjure up the icon of faithfulness as certain and confident and assured. I don't ask questions. I give answers. I'm not searching. I've already arrived. I don't have to knock. I'm already on the inside. So questions become expressions of doubt, and searching is evidence of a wandering out of faith, and knocking is for the angry or the weak. All the while, Jesus says, ask, search, knock. I suppose there's a couple of different kinds of asking, searching, knocking. There's probably the resistant sort of rebellious kind where you use your questions and your searching to topple and tumble and tear down. I don't think that's the one Jesus has in mind. I think Jesus has the genuine asker, the honest seeker, the one knocking for a reason on his mind, the one asking the good, hard questions. I'm thinking about the Ethiopian eunuch with Philip in the chariot. He says, how can I understand unless you help me? The one one searching the wandering road of life and faith. I'm thinking of Thomas who, who says to Jesus, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? The one knocking in need 
I'm thinking of the four friends carrying the paralyzed man who couldn't get into Jesus' house, so they climbed up on the roof to let him down. Jesus, to those ones, Jesus says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. We have good reason to ask lots of questions right now. We have good reasons to search and seek in life right now. We have reasons to knock in need right now. I'm thinking of my friend, 40-some years old, with a young family furloughed this week. Not exactly what he had in mind for his professional career. Now asking, how long, O oh Lord? I'm thinking of my, my, my business owner friend who lays awake at night, wondering, searching for a different way than having to lay them off. I'm thinking of our friends in nursing homes and retirement communities whose only knock on the door comes three times a day, the meal maid bringing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, otherwise locked down, nobody, all alone. Jesus says, ask and you will receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. When all of this happened, March 12 is my start date, uh, we called an audible on the series of sermons that I was intending to preach during the season of Eastertide. This is the sixth Sunday of the season of Eastertide. I was intending to preach a series of sermons titled Questions. So we asked the middle and high school students at Pillar to pose some questions for me that I would then preach from. Some of them were fun. Uh, flip to a random page in the Bible and preach on that page. Glad we shifted directions. Another one from a middle school girl Preach from the story of Tabitha in the book of Acts. Hmm. Another one. What does God say about S-E-X? I've never been good at spelling, so I'm not going to address that one. Some of them are funny. Some of them are serious. Why do people who are in love divorce? Why does God take so long? Why do bad things happen to good people? To the middle and high school students asking really good questions, thank you so much. And I'm just going to encourage you, ask, search, knock. Everyone who asks receives. All those who seek find. To everyone who knocks, the door will be opened for them. That's who's on Jesus' mind. Now here's what's on his heart. This is Matthew 7, verse 11. If you then, who are broken, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? That's what's on God's heart. How much more? More, God, the God of the universe, the God who spoke the world into existence and preserves it by his providence, sent his son, his only son, born of the virgin, suffered under Pilate, crucified, died, was buried, and on the third day rose from the dead to overcome sin and death and its consequences on our lives. So you're free, free to live full beautiful, whole life, life abundant. He sent his son so that you might have life eternal. And that son sent the spirit to guide and direct you now here, the father, the son, and the spirit on their heart is how much more? How much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask? 
I was in a, a Zoom conversation with some pastor friends earlier this week. We were just being honest, I guess, about some of the challenges we experience. It's kind of dizzying to talk into a camera every Sunday. It's really hard to get a phone call from a parishioner who's in the hospital and not be able to visit them. We were having that conversation when one of them said, have you known those sweet seasons of dependence on God? And another pastor friend said, sweet seasons of dependence? No. Every season of dependence I've known has hurt, been hard, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. What happened in me and through me and for me in that hard season was worth the pain, the pastor said, which just sounded to me like, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? That reminds me of the words of the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 26. My friend Greta Bast is going to read them for us. The Heidelberg Catechism. Question and answer number 26. What do you believe when you say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, that the eternal Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who out of nothing created heaven and earth with all that is in them, who also upholds and governs them by his eternal counsel and providence, is for the sake of Christ his Son, my God and my Father. I trust in him so completely that I have no doubt that he will provide me with all things necessary for body and soul. Moreover, whatever evil he sends upon me in this troubled life, he will turn to my good, for he is able to do it, being Almighty God, and is determined to do it, being a faithful father. How much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? That's who's on Jesus' mind, the asking, the seeking, the knocking. That's what's on Jesus' heart. And now, how that might just impact your neighbor. Uh, you've heard of the golden rule. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. Therefore, in everything, do to others as you would have them do to you. For this sums up. The law and the prophets, it's the golden rule, sometimes called the maxim of reciprocity. Some people are say Jesus was borrowing from the philosopher Aristotle. Nearly every religion of the world has some version of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Sometimes we run the risk of reducing the narrative nature of God's story as it comes to us in Scripture to maxims, rules, and principles, which are really helpful oftentimes in many cases, but sometimes, too often, are removed from their context and just become a rule to follow. And the golden rule is among those. Jesus does say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but he doesn't just say, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He says, therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Jesus is tagging the golden rule to the how much more reality of God's heart. He's linking the maximum of reciprocity to the how much more reality of God's person for the world. He's connecting how the golden rule to the how much more promises he offers over your life. Therefore, he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask? Therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you.
Can I brag just a little bit? Just I'm going to brag about Pillar. We, we've been doing these online worship services. We do them on Thursday, if, if you're wondering. Uh, we, we, we do them on Thursday so that we have Friday and Saturday to tweak them just a little bit so that they can uh, be up online by Sunday. We actually have these YouTube analytics. I can, we, we know that uh, 6.5% of people viewing our YouTube online worship experiences are outside of the U.S. I just think that's so awesome. And it's, there's a very, very slim chance that we'll ever not offer an online worship service going forward. So Tennessee, Texas, Washington, New York, you get to hang with us. We, 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 we record them on Thursday. Normally, there's just a few of us here. We wear our masks and kind of slink around and sort of circle past each other. But last Thursday, I was quite shocked to come to Pillar to see on the 10th Street side of our building the fiber arts group hanging masks they had made for anyone in our community who wanted them on clotheslines. And then on the west side of our parking lot, one car after another with one person after another bringing one item after another to furnish Walter's new house. I came inside the building to see Pastor Jenna counting checks, which is not her responsibility. So I said, um, what are you doing? She said, you got to hear this. There's this grassroots sort of word of mouth effort by in the Pillar community to give portions of their stimulus check to the Ramsey family, the refugee family that we're in support of. It sounded an awful lot to me like, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask, therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I'm getting worked up, so let's go back to Van Ralty. 1847, they established this community. They built this church. It was a tough year. That orphanage they built shortly after building this church, uh, the story of history is it was never used by, as an orphanage. The people of the community adopted every child that needed a home. Sounds like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Those first years were hard. They made it, though. They settled into homes and businesses. They made a downtown corridor. Hope College began to emerge, and then it happened. 1871, the Great Fire devastated this town. Every house up in flames, this land of freedom and opportunity, now the land of distress and pain. And Venralti stood up to speak to the community that he loves and we love still. And these were the words he offered. He offered to them then. I hope you find meaning in them now. Our dark cloud glitters on all sides with shining light. It is true. We are deeply humiliated, broken, and slain. But do we lose when our hearts are enriched and adorned with humility, submission, trust, and delight in God? Despite the dark cloud, God continues to be good to us. He's full of compassion. He knows our needs. He cares for us. Let us praise and worship him because God glorifies his name. He works in this world and he forms and adorns hearts for his heavenly kingdom. I love that. God continues to be good to us. He is full of compassion. He knows our needs. He cares for us. How much more will our heavenly father give good things to those who ask? Therefore, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.